Today's New Testament reading is from Titus, the second and third chapters. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Slaves are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, Let no one disregard you. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly, through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people, But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, Do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works, so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. This is the word of the Lord. For today's meditation on God's word, we welcome the Reverend Joel Bierman. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people.
training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. It's also very practical, this word from God through his chosen apostle, Paul, the brilliant rabbi and theologian, who provides some of the most incisive and closely argued doctrinal presentations in the entire Bible, seems so easily, perhaps even overly consumed, with the down-to-earth, nitty-gritty of real life lived in this real world. For Paul, it is never a choice between doctrine and practice, or between theology and morality. For Paul, it's all wrapped up together. He moves from believing to living as if there were no difference. Indeed, there is no difference. What you believe is what you live, and what you live is what you believe. In Christ, God's grace was, has certainly blazed forth into the world, and the result is salvation for all people. We know and celebrate this gift of God's grace, and it is the unmerited, unearned grace that brings us perfect comfort and joy. God has done it all for us in Christ. But what's the point of this salvation so abundantly and freely given? Does it end with the gift merely given and received? Does it end with the believer kicking back in the luxurious ease of salvation? This hardly seems the intent of the apostle as he writes to Titus. God's grace brings salvation, but that same grace, Paul says, directs us to, to deny ungodliness and worldly desires. It tells us to live sensibly, righteously, and piously. Yes, piously. In other words, there is an absolutely an expectation that God's grace makes new people, people who don't look like the rest of the people in the world. God's grace makes people into God's people, and God's people are zealous for good works. What's particularly fascinating about Paul's exceedingly pointed admonition is that he actually co-ops the very vocabulary of the ancient philosophers. Plato and Aristotle routinely argued and urged their students to pursue lives of virtue. This was the responsibility, they believed, of all true men who were fulfilling their true nature. Now, three of their favorite virtues were temperance, justice, and piety. True men were to live sophronos, or temperately, dikaios, or justly, and eusebos, or piously. And what's remarkable is that these are the exact three Greek words that Paul declares as normative in the lives of Christian believers. Christians are to live temperately, justly, and piously, what the New American Standard translates as sensibly, righteously, and godly. Apparently, Paul did not have any problem with telling his readers to strive hard after virtues, even classic virtues that have been taught by the pagans. Now, there's nothing legalistic about any of this. The exhortation to pursue a life of virtue comes right smack in the middle of a celebration of God's claiming us and gifting us with salvation. And that's the point. Salvation means being declared holy and righteous and God's own child. And salvation means being the creature that God intended when he created you. What the Greeks were able to recognize as the essence of life, being all that it meant to be human, they could never realize. Sin always got in the way. They could never fully achieve the virtues that they knew were essential of all true men. Now, of course, you can't achieve those virtues either, but Christ can and did. 
And when you are in Christ, the reality of being made fully human is precisely the gift that God gives. He makes you truly human again. He makes you all that he created you to be. Of course, God's work is not complete, not yet. For the fullness of the gift, we still have to wait. And so we watch and we wait for the appearing of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. But the work has begun even now. The grace has been given and the work will be finished. God has redeemed you to be fully human. So why not get started living that way today? Why not work hard at being the human God created you to be? That's what it means to be zealous for good deeds. Pursuing a life of good deeds is not antithetical to a life lived in the gospel. It is the essence of life lived in the gospel. Now, yes, there's a bit of a tension here. There always is. What else would you expect when the task before us is teaching good doctrine and practicing good living? We live then in the tension of all that God does and gives and of all that he urges and expects. So, guided by the Holy Spirit, Paul does it again. In four crisp verses, he gives the whole of the Christian life, grace that redeems, grace that recreates. But don't simply revel in the wonder of Paul's prose and God's grace. The point, after all, is to live it. So, go do it. Go live in the grace of God. Amen.